Hi everyone and welcome to Sterling's Business Success and Coffee podcast, kindly sponsored and supported by Sterling's group coaching programs and Fix This Next free online business assessment, enabling you to pinpoint what your business needs you to fix next. Business tips to help you level up and scale up. Hi there everyone, I'm Simon from Sterling Coaching and welcome to this podcast episode in which I'm joined by Carrie Getz. Uh, Good to have you with us today, Carrie. Thanks for having me. Tell the listeners a little bit about you. Give us a, a little bit of an introduction into Carrie and the business that you have. Yeah, so I've been in this in the tech space for a little over 40 years, and I'm one of those weird people that's done a little bit of everything in tech as opposed to, you know, some people just pick one path and stay down it. So I've done programming. I've run large IT departments. I've been the equivalent of a CTO. I mean, CIO at several organizations. I was a consultant for many years. And we started this company, Strategicom, about a year ago with the expectation to really make a difference in the industry. So, you know, I've always championed women in the industry and diversity and inclusion. And one of the problems that we have is, you know, there's a 67% attrition rate with women in the industry. So part of our company charter, we actually made that 50% of all employees will be women and through our partner and referral network, we've made it a goal that 50% of all partner referrals and referrals to other companies will go to diversely owned companies as well. So, you know, we've really sort of taken an activism approach and married it with tech. Great. And, and credit to you for having those items on a charter. You know, listeners, if you haven't got a charter, if you don't have a set of values that you set your business by, then you should. And they're good an example of good things to have on that kind of charter and on that value list as well. So the first couple of things to talk about today, Carrie, are, are coffee. And yeah. I'm, I'm interested to find out what kind of coffee you've been drinking today or during the last couple of days. What, what's a normal sort of cup of coffee or mug of coffee look like when you're in the office? Yeah, so I am a black coffee kind of girl. Um, okay. I've been drinking a, a good blonde roast. On Sundays, uh, my new favorite thing, there is a Java moonshine, which makes a nice little additive to coffee. It makes okay. quite the little happy spiked Sunday morning coffee. Right. Um, I want to know more uh, about that thing a second then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, quite tasty, quite tasty. But yeah, I, yeah I, I kind of experiment as I travel. I like to try different kinds of coffees and, and just see. I, I enjoy a good espresso yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm generally not a cream and sugar kind of girl. I, I value the yeah. coffee for what it is. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, you know, lots of people have said, you know, lattes, macchiatos. And I had a guy on a podcast yesterday uh, who actually was a hobby farmer. And he the only reason he had cream in his coffee on occasions because he actually milked it out of his own cow. And, and oh, that's a good that's that's a good reason to have cream in your coffee, isn't it? So that's good. And I don't mind a good latte after a nice big meal or something, but yeah, my go-to in the morning is just black. Yeah, I must admit, when I tend to go uh, into our local town and go to Starbucks, I'll have a, a caramel macchiato. But I actually have it as a meal. You know, there's that much sugar in there. There's that much sweetness in there. For me, that's that's instead of having my lunch. You know, I just have that coffee. Yeah, no, I'm I'm much better with just 
cream. You can, or, you know, something that the, the sugar stuff, not so much. I'm not a big sweet eater. No. I'm so, sweet enough. Yeah. So the, <laughs> I can see that. The listeners can't see that, but I can see that. So the, 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 the blonde roast that you have, you know, do you, um, do you have the beans? Do you, you know, is it pods? How, how do you get to that? point where you're putting it into the into the cup or into the mug yeah i'm a total cheater i go straight to the pods okay great although although i'm on my second one of these coffee machines and i told my husband the other day since i'm not traveling so much mm. that if this one kicks the bucket we're going to go back to the regular old drip coffee since <laughs> there's you know two of us drinking i used to travel pretty much every day of the week um, almost every week of the year. So yeah. I was traveling 250, 300,000 miles a year doing projects literally all over the globe. And wow. since COVID and starting this company, it's been nice because now I actually get to use my home office as opposed to before. Yep. I had a home office that I never used and I visited it, my furniture and my husband on occasion <laughs> on the weekends. <laughs> I, and that's interesting. Yeah, I've, I've got a, a KitchenAid Nespresso machine and it's... I think I've probably used it a dozen times before lockdown. And it's really when guests come around on occasion and they, I need a quick, you know, good coffee. But like you, since lockdown and since being doing more Zoom sessions, you know, I buy the boxes of pods now from Amazon. Yeah, um, uh, and <laughs> yeah, it's this machine has never worked as hard as it has done in the last sort of 10 months, definitely. And I've been very impressed with it as well. You know, it stood the it stood the hard work. It really has. So, t- tell me more about the Java Moonshine uh, additive. Then, tell tell me a little bit more about that kick that you have on a Sunday morning. Well, you know, I like a good spiked coffee once in a while for fun. So, Tia Maria mm-hmm. is a nice liqueur. If you're going to do that, it's it's mm-hmm. a coffee flavored liqueur, a little along the lines of Kahlua. But this was something that one of the guys that works for my husband turned us on to. And it's these bottles of flavored moonshine. There's all different flavors. It comes in a mason jar, just like, you know, you would expect bootleg yep. moonshine too, although you buy this at the liquor store. So I'm sure it's not, yep. not exactly moonshine, but it is a yeah, Java yeah. flavor. It's a really kind of nice, creamy Java additive. And it just, oh, yeah, okay. it makes for a delightful cup. Yeah. Well, there you go, listeners. There's something to... Uh, Google when you get chance and hunt down in your local store. And yeah, my, my wife is, she, she likes um, Bailey's in coffee sometimes oh, if you yeah. go out for a meal. Uh, and yeah, she's a, a Tia Maria uh, fan. So. Oh yeah. Very good. Yeah. yeah so it's, it's kind of along those lines, but a little cream thrown in. It's kind yeah. of a cross between the two, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I like that. So is there any particular favorite coffee you have, you know, as you, as you've traveled around, have you found a, a favorite brand uh, or a favorite uh, brew of coffee or location of coffee? You know, I, uh, I've had people say they like Ethiopian coffee, Turkish coffee, which I've never tried. What, what's your favorite coffee? And we know how you take it, but what's your favorite? Um, Turkish coffee is good. It's very strong. Colombian coffee is also quite nice. Also very strong. Yeah. Um, Hawaii has really good coffee. Really? Blue Mountain coffee, yes, it's quite nice. Ah. So uh, there's actually, I have some of that in my pantry as well. But good. yeah, I, I just like to experiment. So yeah. Eh, yeah, play around with what's available. Yeah, well, uh, I actually spoke to a, a BNI networking member in Hawaii a few months ago now. And perhaps I'm going to reach out to her now. You've mentioned, was it called Blue Mountain? 
Blue Mountain, yeah. Blue Mountain, Coffee from Hawaii. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll have to tap her up and see if she can send some of that across. So move, moving on for the listeners onto the onto the business things, uh, and obviously you gave us an introduction to your business. What's the latest or most significant thing that you've worked on or that you've fixed or evolved in, in your business? So I guess some new fun things. We're working on some smart city projects, which is really great. It brings a lot of services to uh, cities. But then we've also branched out and started working with smart communities, which brings broadband and, and connectivity and some of those services to rural areas that are very, very underserved. And part of that is building those edge data centers to provide that connectivity. We also started, when we started this company, we launched CTO as a service, which is about half outreach and about half business. But the idea is to provide chief technology officer services to small to medium enterprises or even larger enterprises that just need, you know, a second pair of eyes or a fill-in. But the idea is for companies that don't really have the budget or the need for somebody full-time, they can hire on a retainer. And then, you know, they've got a chief technology officer that works with them as projects come up a day a week, a day a month. And we help really figure out what that technology plan is going to look like on a two, three and five year basis. So they can do it right to start with and they don't build up a bunch of technical debt. They have to turn around and get rid of later. Yeah. And I think, you know, for me, that's that's very interesting because the number of clients I work with who they go down the the route of bringing in software, bringing in hardware to meet the needs, but they don't really know what the needs are they want to meet. They don't really do enough planning for it. And as you say, you know, I've I've got one client that I'm actually with tomorrow. Twelve months of going down a CRM to then get to the point where they never actually launched it and then they binned it off because it oh, just, sure. it that just, happens all the time. Yeah. So what, what is the, what's the thing that gets in the way? Do you think what, what, why is it people don't put that same planning into their tech as they do other areas of business? What do you think that roadblock is for them? Well, I think a big chunk of this is that companies, especially if they don't have a technology person or something that's helping with technology, word of mouth ends up filling what they do, right? It's what their brother-in-law put in or somebody they know. And they said, here, just use this. It's good. But they don't ever really sit back and figure out what those needs are going to be. And I think the other thing too in technology is we've really gotten to the point where we're so reactionary that people forget that, you know, there's such a thing as a, as an RFI, which is a request for information where you can go out and have people write things to your needs and you can ask for options and you can, you know, give yourself the time to do that. Mm. And when you're in the reactionary mode, it's like, oh no, we need a CRM, throw something in right now. And then you find out later that it's not going to do anything that you need. And so you really, I think, have to allow yourself the time to be able to plan for your technology, just like you plan for your human resources, for your finances, for everything else in a company. And that part really, you know, we're kind of getting to the point now, I think, where a lot of companies realize that tech isn't a necessary evil. It's definitely a very strategic part of the company. But what what we haven't done is said, okay, well, tech is a very strategic part of this company. Let's take the time to figure out strategically yeah. what tech we need. And, and that's really what gets people in trouble. I think that, and you know, there's CEOs that go out and read PC magazine and they decide, <laughs> you know, Oh, everything's going to the cloud. So, you know, we're yeah. only going to go cloud. And then they realize that, you know, that wasn't the right decision either. So, yeah. you know, I think time is a big part of it. 
And it's it's interesting over here in the UK, we have a program and it was inspired by Vern Harnish and his book Scale Up. Uh, and we have a program for scaling up businesses. And what the, the, the institutions here in the UK have realized that the businesses who have the most potential to scale and achieve success are those that are focused on tech and on digital. Oh, sure. They don't, and they don't have to be tech businesses. They don't have to be digital businesses. But the businesses who embrace technology and they embrace you know, digitization, automation, they are the ones that excel. And I know for my own construction business, you know, we were using very high level tech when other guys were still using fax machines and we got trackers on our vans and servers and we're doing emails and little, we had joiners and carpenters out there with electronic devices. And that definitely contributed towards our growth. So listeners, you know, if, if you think, as Carrie said, that tech is that, that evil that you know, you, you're trying to avoid in your business, it is the biggest key to opening up your success and having a, you know, I wish I'd got a, a CTO at the time when I've done things in business, because, you know, like some of my clients, it's, you really, really waste so much time and so much energy and most importantly, so much money if you don't get that help and get that direction. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it shortcuts things so much if you just, you know, even if you bring somebody in at, you know, 10 hours, right? That's yeah. that's a small period of time. It's a very reasonable cost, but you get that wealth of information that they bring with them. And, yeah. you know, for, for somebody that, it, especially somebody that's starting out, you're not going to understand tech. You're going to, I mean, there's buzzwords. Buzzwords are yeah. a killer in this industry. Everybody yep. wants to throw those buzzwords around like they're the latest greatest thing. And really in tech, everything is a tool in the toolkit. And the tricky part is figuring out, do you need a hammer? Do you need a screwdriver? Yeah. Do you need a Phillips head or a flathead? You know, yep. and, and what that toolkit's going to do for you and getting that help to get you over that hurdle is just so monumental because if you do it wrong, it is an amazing time toilet to try to fix it. If you yes. do it right, it does nothing but free up time. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned smart cities and smart communities. Uh, what kind of technology is uh, rising and being embraced, particularly for the smart communities? I live in a very rural community. We're very fortunate because on one side of our village, uh, we have uh, a very large trunk road that used to be the old Great North Road from London to Edinburgh. So it has a huge amount of data cabling going up the side of it, which we tap into. And on the other side, I've got the the railway line that also goes London to Edinburgh. So I'm sandwiched between the two, and we're very fortunate to have that. But I know other rural communities, uh, you know, are looking at satellite, you know, connectivity rather than you know uh, fiber connectivity. What's, what's the emerging things? What are you seeing at the moment that people perhaps need to keep an eye out for? Well, you know, the tricky deal with smart cities is if you say smart city, it means something different to everybody, including the people that implement it, right? Yep. So life safety is definitely a large part of that. Broadband connectivity with satellite and and even being able to do some different things and, and combining circuits to make things run faster. 5G is going to be a piece of this, although... Yep. I think 5G is way overhyped. It's the next greatest thing until 6G yep. comes along. <laughs> but, <laughs> yep. you know, a big part of the hype is that there's a lot of devices that need to be replaced. So there's monetarily, there's a great reason to hype 5G. Yeah. But it is going to make a difference in some of these rural areas that you're talking about that are really underserved. Um, and, and getting 
the backhaul connections to those antennas is going to be a big part of having those lines like you guys have, you know, to be able yeah. to tap into to do some of those kind of things. So I think cellular is definitely a play. I think surveillance is a huge part of this and cameras. And, you know, at one time I was in London, uh, it was right after they blew up the tube in London. Mm, and yeah, they that said that, yeah, a matter of fact, I was on that tube three days prior. So Ooh. I was really happy about that timing, yeah. but um, they, they said that the average person in London is photographed more times in a single day than the average U.S. citizen is photographed in two years because we've been very sort of pushed back on, on surveillance. And yeah. a lot of times in the U.S. when we've had issues, it's been private companies own surveillance within their stores that have unlocked a lot of that as opposed to public surveillance. Yeah. So that's certainly a piece of it. Um, the you know, being able to coordinate and bring a lot of those towers together. And there's companies now, like there's one, uh, Neptuno, that does a great job. Their towers are works of art, as opposed to, you know, just some ugly cell tower sitting out there. And, and they can do all kinds of things. You can add screens to those for public transit. You can figure out all the delays. So there's, you know, there's a huge community service piece of that, that, that yeah. comes along with those. So I think all of those things, and depending on a, on a city or a rural community strategy, it's getting the backhaul connectivity to the internet, and then it's providing the services on top of that. And then even all the way out to the community, like where you are, there's precision agriculture. There's tractors that act like mm. Roombas that will go yeah. out and you know take care of all your crops in your fields. So it's exactly. really enabling a lot of that technology to happen. And then of course, autonomy and autonomous vehicles will be certainly right behind that. And you know, yeah. you have to realize those those autonomous vehicles have to know how to operate when they leave a city limits. So, and I, I, I just hope at the point where that becomes mainstream, that that's the time when I give up my driving license and I just sit in my rocking chair and I think about it because I do not fancy being on the road when some of those vehicles are out there. Definitely not. Well, you know, I don't know. You know, I uh, there, there's a benefit to that. Like the rail system in the UK is amazing. All, all over Europe, actually, when I yeah. was traveling over there quite a bit. I would much, I much preferred the trains to the airplanes because at yeah. the time, you know, you didn't have to wait for the seatbelt sign to go off to connect yeah. and work and you can get up and walk around and there's leg room and, you know, yeah. space to work and all that kind of stuff. So I think that uh, autonomous vehicles are going to provide that train like experience and a smaller footprint. And mm. hopefully it's been very well tested and vetted, you know, yeah. when it, when it comes out, I think they're rolling it out in two cities in the U S this year. Really, from a uh, for a taxi from a taxi perspective, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I, I've got a, a Jeep Compass, and it's got one of those um, you know, detection systems that detects the vehicles oh, yeah. in front. It allows you to park uh, hands free into a into a slot, uh, and it also um, it detects the lines on the road. Uh, and that when when I go near the lines, the scariest thing is having that feedback in the steering wheel. I don't know for listeners if you've had that experience. And when I'm getting a little bit tired, I can see the benefit of it. But yeah, when I just need to have a look and see if anybody's behind or who's in front, yeah, it's uh, and it snatches your steering wheel back. Yeah, yeah I have that on my truck too. It's like, hey, yeah, no. yeah, <laughs> yeah I thank... keep mine turned off most of the time. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's the thing, isn't it? We do. I mean, I'm very grateful that yeah, my main vehicle. I'm a big Jeep fan, so I've got a Wrangler, and that's got very little technology in it. So uh, everything's levers and buttons and things like that. So that's great. So if if you could 
share with the listeners um, a tip or a lesson that they can take something uh, away and do or something perhaps to look at or to consider? Because obviously I'm aware of, of the strategic side of what you're talking about here. What would you share with the listeners today that can help them cope with that strategic and that tech side of, of their business? Um, I would say two things. Mm -hmm. First off, give yourself the time to do it, right? Because if you're in a rush, nothing ever good comes out of that. Yep. The second thing is I think you really have to make an effort to hire the person and not the paper and realize that there is a lot of talent that may or may not have a college degree, but maybe has been working in the industry for many, many years. We have okay. that problem here in the US, you know, a degree is the very first requirement yep. to the exclusion of all else. So people would rather hire somebody with a degree in something that's completely non-related than somebody that's been working for four years. I think okay. that we really have to change HR and hiring practices and the tech industry as a whole so that we are really valuing people and the talent that those people bring, regardless of whether they have a degree or not. Okay. So what, what kind of attribute would you say that the person um, would have that you would recommend? You know, if you were going to employ somebody that you've just mentioned there, what would be the attribute you'd be looking for in that person? Well, first off, it would depend on which piece of IT I'm hiring them in, right? Mm -hmm. So to me, some of the best attributes are not afraid to ask a question because nobody yeah. wants somebody that's going to sit there and, and spin their wheels and waste time. Uh, somebody that's very open to learning and certainly be cross-trained with other people in the department and somebody that brings a fresh perspective. You know, we throw this word diversity around all the time mm. and diversity is more than just having women in place. Diversity is having young people, old people, people in all different pieces of their career. There is no diversity. If you only hire people that have been trained the exact same way, their thought process is exactly the same. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if they're diverse as people, you've, yeah. taken, you've taken all that diverse power away from them because you force them to learn in a single path. So yeah. certifications, I think, are super important. Uh, you know, And, and even, even companies that hire people that have worked in, in similar industries, they still send them to be certified, whether they have a degree or not to learn the particular skills for that job, or they do, you know, an apprenticeship or, or something like that. So yeah. I think that it's very important that somebody's malleable. And I also think that when you take the time to really work with somebody on that level, you get such an amazingly loyal employee. And, you know, a lot of companies will pay for that college degree later if it's important they can do it while they're working absolutely or, you know but, but at least they're working right and so you know if you take a vested interest in those employees then they're gonna they're gonna hang around and yeah. right now 18 months is the average tenure in tech 18 months that's like nothing by the time you no. get them trained for a year they're productive yeah. for six months and then they leave so you know wow. I, I think we really have to sort of change some of those equations yeah. a bit and I've just noted down there as well, and I think this, listeners, is really important as well, that I think some of us feel that we have a governance issue around diversity uh, and we have to check the boxes. And it's, and it's great that we, we strive to do that and it's great that we want to do that. But you've given, I think, everyone there, carry something very important, that diversity in the people there you know, ethnic origins, their genders, et cetera, their ages. If, if you don't get that diversity in perspective from those people, 
then that can be quite a challenge for a business, can't it? Because, you know, you don't want a set of robots, whether they're different colors, different ages, different genders. If they're all programmed exactly the same way, that's going to give you a very one trick pony business, isn't it? It's not going to give you that sure. perspective that you need to develop the business. So I think you've shared something very, very important there with the listeners. Well, and you know, if you think about it, your customer base is going to be diverse. So if you don't mm-hmm. listen to that, you're tuning out your customers. And if you tune out your customers, they're going to t- tune you out. And, you know, right now the attrition rate for women in tech is 67%. Yeah. 67% of women leave tech as a whole they don't just change jobs they literally leave tech as a whole so they leave the industry so yeah and so you know i think that we have to and and certainly that's probably going to be one of the good things that comes out of this expletive virus is that companies have realized that people can be very productive working remotely and a lot of the reason i think that women leave tech is you know harassment was certainly cited as is one of the problems but also being you know because women by far and large are the ones that take off to become caregivers and we've almost made it impossible for them to work even though we can use tech to solve all of those problems and i think one of the good things that came out of COVID is that companies realized yeah you know people really can be productive at home you know it's not gonna it's not gonna kill us and so you know we can use tech to really foster some of those kind of things and and bring some of that about. So I think, I think companies have to be open as open with their tech as they expect their customer base to be right. So if you want to attract people of all different backgrounds, you have, you have to address those in your tech and in your business. And I think the attributes that you gave to us of the, the person, actually they're the, the attributes that you need to display as a business, aren't they? You know, if they're open to change, you know, if the business is going to be open to change, when you come to technology, don't just look for those attributes in the person, look at those attributes to within the business as well. Because if you've got them, then there's a whole uh, consistency, isn't there, of, of uh, you know, I suppose that the core of the business, wherever you cut that business, it's going to have that same consistency across it. So I think that's really important as well that, you know, the listeners should take away from Carrie here today. Yeah, and you've got, you know, you've got to give yourself that agility, right? Yeah. Yes, There's a lot a of businesses word. that are reinventing themselves right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it's interesting you mentioned agility. I remember, you know, hearing of, you know, tech processors, you know, from Scrum. Is it uh, Kevin Sutherland? Wrote oh, the yeah, Scrum. Scrum, yep. Um, you know, Agile. You know, we look at all the different work processes when it comes to developing tech and tech processes. And, and I think Agile and, and Agility of the words that we don't use enough when we look at the tech in our businesses. Uh, And for those of us who are working with growing businesses that are looking for businesses that have that potential and that opportunity for significant growth, certainly turning to people like Carrie, uh, but looking at that agility within the business to, to cope with that is really, really important. So you've given us some some great tips there. And I certainly know if I was a CEO of a business, you know, not rushing, hiring the person, not the paper is, is a great thing to take away, as well as other things that you shared with us today. If we want to connect with you, if we want to find out more about you, I, I assume you've got content that you put out there that we can uh, all take value from. Where's the best place for the listeners to go? So you can always connect to me on LinkedIn. It's okay. Carrie Getz, and the last name is G-O-E-T-Z, for those of you that aren't reading. Um, also, my company website, strategicom, 
Careerswomenfinance.com has links to our podcast series, which is Careers for Women, Trades, and Vets in Tech. And we have diversity and inclusion experts that we talk to on that podcast as well. And then, of course, all of our services and solutions are listed out there as well. And, you know, email is a great way too. It's G at strategicom.com. And I'm welcome, you know, happy to connect with anybody on LinkedIn or any other platform. Okay. So just so we get that, you know, you, you spoke your name very well. Thank you. So that's great. Um, I'd expect you to. But um, the, the, the the website name, can you just spell oh, that out? Sure. So I know when I looked at it, you know, I, I was trying to work out how to pronounce it. Uh, so what, what just spell out the website. Yeah, it's uh, S-T-R-A-T-E-G-I-T-C-O-M.com. So strategic com. And uh, yep. the IT is capitalized. So for some reason that just completely discombobulate people's brains but <laughs> it's uh it's strategy it and communication when you put that together you get ah together. well that that i'm sure that will help me and the listeners remember that as well and of course i say connect with you on, on linkedin is uh, is a good way of finding and you know i always um i'm wondering when i interview people on podcasts and i've not been doing podcasts for too long and i think they that i had one guest who'd been doing them for five years and you always recognize listeners the people that are doing podcasts or being on podcasts um, generally, because when you look at them on the videos, I'm looking at Carrie now, and I know you can't see it, listeners, but she has clearly put a lot of effort into choosing the microphone that she's using for things like this. Uh, <laughs> and when you see somebody who's uh, put that much effort in, you do get a little bit of an inkling right at the beginning that, yeah, this person's done this before. So, uh, uh, yeah, so check out Carrie's podcast. I think it'd be a great thing to do. Is it available on the usual platforms. I mean, mine's only Apple, available on Google. Apple. Yeah, yeah, it's Careers for Women, Trades, and Vet and Tech, and it's available on all of your regular podcast platforms. Fantastic. Great. So there you have it, listeners. Don't just listen to this podcast. Go out and find Carrie's podcast as well. So I'm going to ask you the, the final question here before we sign off a little bit differently to the question that I sent out to you because, you know, many people I'm talking to, we here in the UK are in a very strong national lockdown at the moment. Um, some people are in states that are in lockdowns, coming out of lockdowns. So I'm going to ask you a different question here, Carrie. When you have your next coffee, if you could have it in a dream location, where would that be? And describe that location to us so we can picture it. Um, it would be on the 18th story of a condo overlooking the beach, watching for dolphins, and then later in the day, very much ass in sand, beer in hand. That would be, I'm, I'm a total beach babe. So, <laughs> so, so you, you know, so where, what, where is this beach? You know, I'm intrigued that you've got the dolphins there already. You know, I've always wanted to swim with dolphins and see dolphins other than in a, a sort of a, a tank. So where, where is this beach going to be? Just describe where it is. Yeah, so we, our retirement goal is to end up in Tampa, Florida. Uh, we love that area down yeah. there, but yeah. certainly the Florida Panhandle, the Redneck Riviera, as they call it, which is the okay. Alabama Gulf Coast. Yep. Any of those areas are, are quite nice. But yeah, Tampa is is kind of our end game. That's where we really plan to end up. Yeah. Well, I've never been to Florida. And many years ago, we booked a, a two-center holiday and we were going to go and do the usual Florida game park type thing. But we were then going to going to go down to the florida keys and my wife uh, has a bucket list of swimming with dolphins and she you should go booked, to the keys yeah she'd booked a course where she was going to learn 
a dolphin a trick uh, and swim with them and learn more about them and immerse herself in with these dolphins for three days. And we got a, a convertible to travel down to the Florida Keys, all booked, all paid for, cost me thousands of pounds. And unfortunately, we never got there because her father took really poorly and we had to cancel the whole trip and we've never oh, managed no. to, to rearrange it. So we didn't. Well, really that is, go. I love the Keys. You should absolutely go. Oh, absolutely. Well, and uh, yeah. down there, they also have Isle Morata, which is a sports, fish, sports fishing capital of the world. And ah, so if you like to fish, yeah, yeah, also a great, great time. Yeah. Well, that's it. It's back on uh, on our bucket list then, definitely. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure and a privilege to have you uh, on today's podcast. I think the, the listeners, you've taken quite a few things away. We've learned what smart cities and smart communities are all about a little bit more. Uh, we certainly know... Uh, for me, that diversity is not just about the people. Um, we should consider the perspective that those diversity of people bring. And the thing I've written down here, and this is probably going to be as well as learning about Java moonshine for, for my coffee. <laughs> the, thing, the thing I've learned here as well is that, you know, don't let word of mouth drive your tech. And I think that, that has resonated with me so many times. I've made decisions based upon recommendations based upon reviews and things like that. And, you know, certainly put that strategic plan into place, get that help, get, get that time to consider what you're going to do. I think you have listeners, I think there's some great things. Hopefully I've summarized what Carrie's shared with us today. And of course, a couple of good, good lessons there as well. So thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's been great. And of course, listeners, this is part of my mission to help businesses and other coaches and consultants around the globe be more aware, and I think we've done that today, and be better educated. Absolutely, we have. And we've talked about some great coffee uh, and some good tips on Java Moonshine. Again, you know, I think we're all going to be Googling that when we finish this. Uh, and I look for it. Yeah, thank you. And listeners, look forward to having you with us on the next podcast. Bye for now. Bye.